Chapter Seven of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven. Whom have we here? They seem to receive her advances in a good spirit, I said, as Laura and I watched to see what the elegantly dressed lady would say. Oh, of course, Laura answered. They are too well bred to be other than courteous to her face there were some however who proved to be less well-bred there had entered the car at one of the stations a lady whose description in brief might have been that she was overdressed at least that was the main impression which she left on one's mind no i mistake she was also loud-voiced conversing with her travelling companion in so distinct a tone that we on the opposite side of the car had often the benefit presently she began to bewail the fact that she had left behind her silver drinking-cup and was wretchedly thirsty yet she would rather die of thirst than drink from that horrid cup fastened with a chain face and feature expressed intense disgust mrs smith looked her sympathy looked significantly at laura's silver cup that lay exposed to view but laura her cheeks aglow refused to take the hint at last the grumblings continuing the dear old lady plunged into her satchel once more and drew therefrom a little old-fashioned tumbler of rare glass a choice souvenir of the past century i fancied that it might be designed as part of the young bride's outfit it had lain unused carefully wrapped in a fine linen towel she wiped off the possible dust with great care and went with benevolent face to her neighbor opposite the cars were again stationary and we heard her pleasant voice in explanation will you borrow my little glass to drink from i haven't used it at all and you are welcome to it it is almost a pity that i cannot photograph the expression on the stranger's face in its extreme hatefulness it might have served as a warning to that class of travellers for what seemed a full minute she continued her ill-bred stare then said with all the haughtiness of an insulted princess no indeed thank you after the retreating old lady she shot these words the idea the perfect idea laura's face was aflame but when i ventured presently to steal a glance at mrs smith her eyes were as quiet as ever and her mouth wore its placid smile she was turning the leaves of one of her little books and seemed to find peaceful words along its pages laura studied her curiously presently she leaned forward for a talk auntie how do you feel when you meet such people and they treat you that way feel as though the poor things had had very bad bringing up child with a twinkle in her eyes and a little twitching at the corners of her mouth i know of course but don't you feel the least bit in the world provoked as though there were no use trying to be kind to some people and you wouldn't any more i was not prepared for the sudden gravity that overspread the worn face and the dimness like that of tears coming into her eyes for a moment she was silent then she said with quiet voice i don't mean to be irreverent laura nor impertinent to him i think he understands all about it 
but i can't help when such things happen now and then like being a trifle glad in my heart not for their sin you know but because i remember just how the people treated him and how he said the servant is not above his lord and it makes me feel kind of sure that i'm his servant do you understand dear no said laura bluntly i don't understand anything about it i know i should feel like telling that woman over there that she had shown herself to be lacking in the first principles of common politeness and i'm not sure but it would do her good whether it would or not i couldn't help it i could never tamely submit to such insulting ways and yet he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth it was a sermon that one text and the manner in which it was repeated it seemed to flash before us a sense of the tremendous difference between the poor little trials which we are fond of calling crosses and the prolonged far-reaching thorny cross which he bore for us laura had no answer to make she sat back with a curious mixture of annoyance and admiration visible on her face i often thought of it during those days how much my daughter laura would have admired yea and it seemed to me loved jesus of nazareth could she and he have been on earth together yet she was not one of his disciples i do not know it may be that she would have been tried by his mingling too much with the common people i am not sure that she could have borne the ridicule that was heaped upon him nor endured the publicity of the scene when even his friends said he is beside himself i knew my daughter's face so well that i could study her thoughts as i looked it was evident that while she admired her old friend she still believed her to be mistaken i could almost hear her thoughts it will not do mamma may talk and mrs smith may act but the world will sneer as long as we have to do with the stuff that the majority of the world is made of we must keep ourselves to ourselves or else be ridiculed or insulted there was a little rustle down the aisle and the elegant lady who had been the recipient of the grapes paused at our seat she was elegant in the extreme everything about her betokened wealth and refinement a quiet dress enough by no means so noticeable as our neighbors across the aisle yet the long silk circle with its rich fur linings represented in itself more money than possibly would have furnished the other's entire wardrobe i beg pardon she said in a clear musical voice but i wanted to speak with you will you tell me please where you found that delightful little book you gave me it expresses exactly what i have wished put into language for a friend of mine and have not been able to find the desired information was given with a beaming face you like it then said mrs smith in great delight indeed i do how beautiful it is and so simply and plainly told nothing could more clearly explain our heavenly father's loving dealing with us i thank you for bringing the book to me it was a very sweet thought are you one of his daughters then i think i have mentioned before what a peculiar way mrs smith had of speaking those personal pronouns 
a sort of lingering tenderness mingled with something very like awe, an indescribable way indeed, but it left its impress. I have that great honor, the lady said, with a happy look shining over her face, and I am very glad to meet you, one of his saints, so much farther along on your pilgrimage than I. You will reach home sooner, perhaps. If you do, give the elder brother my greeting, and tell him I am following on. The Lord bless and keep you, was Mrs. Smith's tenderly spoken answer. Then the two clasped hands, as though they were relatives, and, indeed, now that I think of it, they were. He that doeth the will of my father, the same is my brother and sister and mother. I glanced at Laura to see what she thought of this development from the one whom she had planned was to give an entertainment to her home friends by turning Mrs. Smith into ridicule, but she kept her eyes persistently turned away, and refused to give me the benefit of her thoughts. It was curious to watch human nature in our car after that. A party sitting two or three seats ahead of us sent a plate of very rich cake, with their compliments, to Grandma. Our German friends hunted among their treasures, and produced a book three inches square in German, not a word of which Mrs. Smith could read, but on being told of the contents her face was radiant. The news agent, on one of his rushes through the train, paused long enough at our seat to drop a peculiarly fine-looking orange into her lap, with the words, "'There, Grandma, that's a sweet fellow.' The ambition to show attention to our friend spread through the entire car, men, women, and children making special efforts for her comfort. The lady who had scorned a drink of water from the pretty, old-fashioned tumbler, watched these developments in perplexed astonishment for some time. Then, seeming to conclude that she had made a mistake, and this was some royal personage in disguise, she resolved on making amends, in a direct line with her selfishness, of course, which is the way in which this class of persons always make amends. "'On the whole,' she said, leaning across the aisle, and speaking with careless condescension, I don't care if I do borrow your queer little glass for a few minutes. I am excessively thirsty. It is packed up now, said Grandma, regarding her in utmost good humor. I wrapped it all up in the towel and put it in the inside pocket of the satchel. But here is a bright tin cup I brought for the baby. That you can take and welcome. So my lady, at whom Laura could not help laughing a little, accepted the bright tin cup with what grace she could, and went for her drink of water. Quieter, certainly, if not wiser. There was not a particle of triumph in Mrs. Smith's calm old face. She had simply done what seemed to her entirely reasonable and proper. There was a good deal of confusion attendant upon our change of cars. Everybody acted just as everybody always does act on such occasions as if breathless haste were the necessity of the moment, and it really made no difference how many baskets and bundles and persons you upset in your transit, so that you reached the other train first. Each one seems to have an absorbing ambition to be first. Laura, who is apt to be nervous when her father is not of the party, 
looked about her somewhat wildly on emerging from the train and repeated where is our car where is our car very much as if she were owner of an entire line nobody answered or indeed heeded her question and the babble of voices grew every moment more confusing here is the man to ask said mrs smith's cheery voice and she elbowed her way to the side of a policeman your train hasn't come in yet grandma was his prompt answer stand right where you are until this one starts then yours will run in on that track the first train in after this one is out of the way on the track nearest you i'll see that you get on all right another tribute to the kind old face burly fellow though he was his voice took a gentle protective tone as he talked to her i fancy he may have thought of his old mother mrs smith alert though she was to give attention to his directions seemed also to be thinking of something else her eyes had that earnest far-away look in them that i had often observed when she became interested in a new thought presently she gave expression to it here you are day after day always appointing out the way for people it must be kind of nice to be everlastingly helping folks out of muddles and starting em off in the right direction the policeman laughed this evidently struck him as a new idea he had not the appearance of a person who ever wasted any sentiment on his work but mrs smith was not yet finished before he could make answer if such had been his intention she said i wonder if you could point out the way to heaven and see folks started on the right train to get there have you learned that road yet he looked at her for a moment in blank astonishment then shook his head i'm afraid that road ain't on my beat ma'am the words were spoken respectfully and with a tinge of what might have been regret in his voice look to it she said with energy look to it right away death is on your beat you may be sure of that and it ain't safe to wait until he comes after you before thinking of the right road i wonder if you wouldn't read my little book whereupon without fumbling she produced from somewhere as if it had been carefully thought of and laid aside for this particular man a little paper-covered volume entitled the right road i learned afterwards that it was a book or a tract designed especially for railroad men policemen and other public servants and that mrs smith kept a package on hand ready to use as opportunity offered but at the time the appropriateness of the title amazed me it was just as the winter day was settling into early twilight that the train rolled in at the city depot which was our stopping place and we joined the hurrying crowding throngs once more in just as much haste they were as though the train were to thunder on the next minute instead of having reached its terminus as most of the passengers at least must have known was the case irving was to meet us at the depot and looking eagerly for him though we were we had almost missed him because we failed to remember how much at a certain period of life five years count how the boy had changed in fact he was not a boy at all it seemed absurd to apply the old name to him a bearded man tall slightly built it is true 
yet with an air of manliness about his very overcoat it was of the latest pattern and finest quality that at least was natural irving had always been elegant his uncle used to say of him whether irving has a roof to cover him or not or any money to pay his board bill he will be sure to have the latest fashion in boots and the best fitting kids i remember what a sore feeling it used to give my heart because i realized the truth of the criticism and irving had been so nearly my own that i shrank from recognizing about him that which was not perfect he looked very handsome to me as i caught sight of him moving patiently up and down the crowded platform peering into strange faces in search of one familiar ha auntie at last he exclaimed as i motioned him toward us i thought i was to be disappointed how did you happen to be the last ones out what a distracting pushing irritating crowd this is they have too many elbows and this is laura i declare this last after a slight hesitation i should not have known you if you had not been with auntie you are wonderfully changed she looks a little like mary and yet she doesn't who is it that she resembles i believe it is uncle what a cruel thing it was in uncle to desert me at such a trying time as this checks please auntie or laura whichever one is manager-in-chief how fast irving could talk there was a good deal of the old dash about him accompanied with a certain man-of-the-world ease and freedom evidently he admired his cousin while he hurried off these and kindred eager nothings he cast approving glances on the trim graceful figure and his face took a satisfied expression which i remembered well on a beardless face laura suited his aesthetic taste he was so eager and so voluble and in such haste about checks and trunks and so determined to secure the best carriage for us that up to this moment mrs smith had been overlooked in his haste he jostled against her just as i was saying irving my boy you have not welcomed one of our party ha he said that indescribable little interjection irving used it often whom have we here your attendant auntie his face was genuinely puzzled either he had heard nothing about the old aunt or had forgotten her he thought mrs smith was a servant yet evidently he considered the situation a strange one for two american ladies of moderate income and quiet tastes to be accompanied by a servant when on so brief a trip as ours especially by one so old as mrs smith irving said laura cheeks and eyes aflame is it possible you do not recognize our old neighbor mrs solomon smith End of chapter seven